A friend of mine left me a message. Brian, I know you're busy. I know you out traveling. I know you're doing your thing. But when you get back, I want to sit down and talk to you about helping with our wedding. Newsflash, if the wedding is stretching you out financially, don't do it. Yes. <laughs> See, people put more focus on the wedding than they do the marriage. Yes. You're supposed to focus on that, but y'all ain't sat down at all and talked about finances. First of all, give yourself a hand for sticking around. I still run into old friends of mine who just can't believe that I retired 13 years ago. They can't believe it. I got friends of mine I hang out with right now. Brian, man, I remember we, we celebrated your retirement party, man. Did I tell other people, man, this boy retired 13 years ago, but it's like a joke. <laughs> like it's part of a little game they play every time me and my friends get together is how Brian retired. He's so silly. <laughs> I'm serious. And you guys have to understand, I just laugh because I'm 13 years. I'm conditioned now that my story is funny. And it is. You guys have to understand this. All of us are crazy. You are. You are crazy because you're in the top 3% who understand that the status quo isn't working. You are crazy because here it is on a weekend and you sticking around for some personal growth and self-development. You're supposed to be watching the game. Don't you know you're crazy? You're supposed to be watching millionaires play football. You're supposed to be watching millionaires play football. See, they got theirs. You got to get yours. And what kills me about people isn't it funny how everything that we look up to, or everybody that we aspire to be, you know, whether it's go to a Michael Jackson concert, go through, go to a, um, a, a athletic event, or go to a play produced by Tyler Perry or whatever, everything that we look up to creates money for that person. Yes. So while Janet Jackson dancing, she getting paid. <laughs> Okay, she went from Europe to Brazil to the United States to Chicago to Miami. They tour for six months. But they, trust me, it ain't all fun. They're working. Mm -hmm. You just enjoy what they do for a living. So when people say, man, I ain't going to one of them trainers the game on. Oh, so you watching some guys working. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what people don't miss. It's just that you find joy in what they do for a living. See, I just made my mind up for a couple of years. I was going to stop making other people rich. See, I work my butt off now. Now, if I want to go to see Floyd Mayweather fight, I'm at the fight. He can punch somebody's snot go across my head. Because <laughs> you know I'm at the fight. See, I, I went ahead, but see, I didn't see no fights for about four years. But now, I'm front row if I want to go. You see what I mean? I missed a whole lot of Falcon games. But see, now, I'm a season ticket holder. I missed a whole lot of Braves games. But see, now, if I want to get a sweep, I can get a sweep now. See what I'm saying? You got to go ahead and pay the price. You cannot get out of paying the price. Everything has a price tag attached to it. Even what you're doing now, you're paying the price. Whatever you're doing for a living, you are paying the price. You can't get over that. So when I hang around friends in my environments now, it has become comical to me that we can't even really have the same conversations anymore. Because everybody always says that. See, everybody want to be a fortune teller. 
If it don't work, I told you it wasn't going to work, Brian. <laughs> now, you know what they're saying now? Now it's been working. It's been working for 13 years. Why well, I knew you was always special. When you was little, you had a little gray streak. <laughs> you know, I, I knew you were something different. You always have been a little different. See, nobody ever says, you know what, Brian? You worked like a Hebrew slave. We didn't see you for six years. You was on the go. You sacrificed for your child. We didn't um, hang out with you at any of the barbecues. You missed all of our college functions. You didn't pledge when you was in college. You didn't have time to party. You didn't have a girlfriend for 10 years. Did nobody say that? Nobody says you worked your butt off and you made it. I just made some decisions. <laughs> See, that's what you got to understand. Being successful is a decision. It really is. You got to decide, you know what? Today, I'm going to make some changes. And nobody ever tells you that. See, here's the reality, guys. For at least 10 or 15 years, you sat and ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner with your financial advisor, your family. So y'all ate and shared ideas, but all they could give you is what they gave you. And ain't nothing wrong with that, because all they can tell you is what they know. I had to change the dinner table so that no more beans <laughs> would struggle. That was a conscious decision for me. I really made a decision with this conversation right here, and I don't tell a lot of people this. When I graduated from college, I sat down with my counselor who gives you an exit strategy, right? No, no. When I graduated, I was, I was interning in the bank for four years. So I saw every aspect of banking. I saw the credit department where I saw people make bad decisions and how credit can affect you. And to be honest with you guys, credit can affect you, but it's not the end of your life, okay? Trust me. These days, man, look. I know people that can get stuff vacuumed off your credit report, okay? I mean, my credit was so bad, you couldn't staple nothing else for my credit report. All right, so don't worry. People let numbers and stuff define them. Don't ever worry about, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying don't get depressed when, when, when your beacon score drops. You are not defined by a number. Because when you got cash, the, the, the uh, table gets renegotiated. Okay? So if you got bad credit, get good cash. But anyway. <laughs> so my freshman year, I learned about credit and all of that. My sophomore year, I was in construction lending, which is where I saw shopping centers and commercial developments go up. And the funny thing about it was, nobody, I was in banking for four years, but nobody taught me financial intelligence. You know what I mean? Nobody taught me that, and you would think it's common sense, but nobody taught me that if I got a credit card in college and made the wrong mistakes, I would pay 10 times the amount for the next 10 years of my life. And they, they target you because you broke in college. But didn't nobody teach me that. Nobody taught me, Brian, that you understand, if you finance this car, you understand you're going to be paying $500 a month for something that's depreciating. And you're going to pay three times the amount for the car and make the bank rich and your car ain't going to be worth nothing by the time the loan is over. Nobody just really talks to you like that. Because you just talk. You need a car. You need a house. The next thing you know, when you have children and you have a family, you bring in two debts together. Neither one of us has been taught financial intelligence, so we pass that to the kids. So what happened to me? Tell you what the aha moment. Because you all have them. I sat down with the young lady that hired me. This is exactly what she said. She said, Brian, when do you want to start working? 
I said, look, you don't understand. Now, I just graduated in June. I said, I need to start working in July. Sally Mae has called me 10 times. I just got off stage. So you get your degree, you got it on your hat, you threw it up, you get your diploma, next thing you know, Sally Mae right here. Yes. How you feel? Yes. I said, I need to start working today. I got student loans. I'm trying to help my family. My mother's going through some stuff. My father's going through some stuff. She said, Brian, you don't want to start working. I said, yes, I do. She said, no, you don't. She said, you don't understand. You need to take three or four months off. Because once you start working, that's it. I said, what you mean that's it? She said, Brian, think about it. You're about to enter the real world. See, that college stuff, all that, being a student, that's over. You're about to get into the workforce, and never again will you have an opportunity to just take four months what? Oh, she wanted me to start working in, let's say, October, November, to enjoy my four months off. Right then, I said, so you're basically telling me I'm about to sign up for something called life that has, in your mind, no other options. That's when I made a decision. I said, you know what? I see now why for the past two years, my mentors, it had to hit me, though. I see now why y'all been telling me to build residual income. Because in essence, what she was saying was, you'll never get this much time off again. Once you start working, the more money you make, your expenses also what? Go up. Now you're going to get married. Now you're going to have children. There is no longer an off period. So I said, well, if that's the path I'm about to sign up for, what am I doing sitting here talking to you? She broke me from the cycle right then. I made a constant decision. I said, you know what? For the next two years, it's going to be about me, my finances, and my family. Period. That's something you got to do. But you know what that takes? Nobody wants to hear this. Changing your bad habits. You have got to learn to concentrate on new habits. And I mean concentrate. I mean focus. It's got to be a deliberate effort. You have to become addicted to personal growth and self-development. I mean addicted. Like when I wake up, I'm like, man, I haven't had a documentary all week. I'm addicted to learning. Addicted to learning. I have to find out what the latest book is that I have not read. Mm -hmm. What? Robert Kiyosaki dropped something on the internet this week. Why didn't nobody tell me about it? Like, that's how I am. You got to change your habits and you have to change your environment. That's very, very important. Change your habits and change your environment. So, let's look at what, let's look at what it takes to really, really make it happen here. Concentration is the act of focusing the mind upon a given desire until ways and means for its realization have been worked out and successfully put into operation. In other words, when you start concentrating and focusing your energy on a certain thing, the universe will open up the ways and means to you. It really will. See, the reason a lot of you guys succeed in the areas that you're successful in is because that's what you channeled all your energy on. So if you're a good parent, it's because you made sure your kids did the homework. You made sure you were at the PTA. You made sure he joined the Boy Scouts or she was in the Girl Scout. Your children are well-rounded. So guess what? You see the results of you being what? Focused. See, a lot of you guys are working your business, but you're not focused. You're like fog lights. Fog lights are cool, but all fog lights do is flood an area with light. If I take that same intensity and bring that into a laser, I can cut through steel, I can do eye surgery, it's the same light, but the difference in mine and yours, mine is channeled in what? 
focus. See, if you go ahead and decide what you want to focus on, the ways and means, don't, don't even worry about the how. That will just appear. How do I know? Because think about it. If you focus on family, you get great family results. If you focus on your marriage and relationships and dating, you get great results and experiences in those areas. If you focus on excelling at work, which means you go every day, you show up early, you stay late, then you get the little parking spot in the front that says employee of the month. You get what you what? Focus on. But you know what the problem is? Nobody ever told you to focus on your finances. So guess what? That's the area you lack in. Because you haven't been what? Focus. You ain't even thought about it. It's just like, man, you thought you were doing great with the plan that you were on. But you got to go ahead and treat your finances just like the other areas of your life. So something has to take a shift. Does that make sense? Yes. Something has to shift. And don't let people make you feel guilty about the fact that for a minute you're focusing on money. I had a pastor challenge me one time. You know, Brian, man, you awful young to be talking about money all the time. You know, I don't never see you at the church. I don't never see you doing this. I don't never see you doing that. I don't never see you doing this. So you know how I am. I just let him finish. He said, go ahead. I'm just listening. Mm -hmm. I don't focus on this. I ain't focus on that. Do you see me at church? Do you see me doing this? Do you see me doing that? I said, you finished? He said, yeah. I said, I tell you what, pastor. Since we're talking about focus, I know what the word says. And there are a lot of ways you can tithe. You can tithe money. You can also tithe time. So why don't we do this? Why don't we let all your parishioners, instead of you passing the collection plate around, why don't we for three or four months just have everybody donate old clothes and shoes and go out and do some community involvement and let's not pass the plate. Let's not pass the plate for about a quarter. Oh no, now we can't do that now. Okay, that's what I thought. It is about the what? Money. The money. So don't pass the, don't try to get me distracted just because you see me out here talking to people about getting money as an issue out the way. You're trying to take me off my focus, but you won't put that collection plate down for four months with you. I can tithe in a lot of different ways. So, Pastor, you telling me when I go around this country, thousands of people come to my seminars, I talk to hundreds of people a week, and I'm telling middle class people how to change their financial future so when they're 65 or 70, they can leave a legacy for their kids. You telling me I ain't doing God's work? You better tell them. Just because I don't pass around a bucket and put, don't put money in the plate and all that, don't mean I'm not doing God's work. I know I'm doing God's work. So you're telling me, when I go speak to all these high school students that don't have two parents, don't have a father in the home, because I got all the time in the world, you're telling me I'm not doing God's work. You're telling me since I got money as the issue out the way, and I can go help my kid and donate and sponsor to all my, my child's um, first grade. You know, they cut out a lot of the programs in these schools. They've been cut out. You're telling me, since I can stroke a check, and all the kids now can go on a field trip, I ain't doing God's work, and I can go on the field trip with him. <laughs> so, Pastor, don't try to make me feel guilty just because you and I chose to do God's work in different ways. I can't preach, you can't do what I do. <laughs> See, don't let people make you feel guilty about the fact that for a minute you're trying to get your finances straight because they don't make you feel guilty about nothing else. When I had three jobs, I was a good man. You couldn't say, oh man, three jobs and going to school. That, that's my strong, strong young brother. Go start venturing left, start doing your own business, everybody start looking at you like you're crazy because you're trying to do better. That simply means I made a decision, I was going to concentrate, and I was going to change the environment and the people I was hanging around. 
See, my rule is this. If you show a, a friend of yours a picture of a mansion that you want and they laugh, they're not your friend. Mm -hmm. I test myself. Wow. I said, that, that's funny to you? I said, you know what? Man, look at this Rob report. Why don't for once in our life, let's go after this. Brian, you crazy. You cut. Yeah. I got to find somebody that's like, mm -hmm. you know what? We, we do need to elevate ourselves. Mm -hmm. That comes with your environment. Yes. Your environment is the me mental feeding ground out of which the food that goes into your mind is extracted. Mm -hmm. In other words, you are a direct reflection of what you see and hear every day. That's your environment. It's people from the west side and south side that have never been out of the city. All they know is that immediate little area. They don't even know what Miami's like. They, they've never been to Egypt. They, they never even thought about going to Egypt. They don't know what it's like in L.A. They never even left the block. But y'all wonder why they're acting crazy. That's all they got. Their, their mental feeding ground is drugs, war, and crime. So, Environment largely supplies the food and materials out of which we create our thoughts and our habits, which crystallize into, and your habits crystallize these thoughts into what? Permanency. It's your habits. It's, you are a direct reflection of what you do consistently on a daily basis. You are a direct reflection of what you do consistently on a daily basis. So if you watch TV a lot, people say, Brian, man, man, you didn't know that all. <laughs> that don't have nothing to do with me. Right, you didn't know the bears was... I, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Man, Brian, you don't understand. Such and such season finale. Everybody know that. I, I, I don't hang in that. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm sorry if I do. It's a documentary or something. I'm sorry. You see what I'm saying? I just have different habits. But I make different money. I hate to interrupt, but we got to take a break. I gotta pay some bills. This segment was sponsored by the Instincts Training Series. Do you guys know you are the highest form of intelligence watching this video? That means you're a human being. Well, God created other animals as well. There are millions of other species, and I teach you how to tap into your instincts by using what God gave them and their survival mechanisms so you can reach your full potential. Do me a big favor. Visit brianenbing.com. That's Brian nbean.com for a glimpse and a free keynote into our instincts training series and i'll see you guys on the other side now enjoy the rest of the episode see if i want to shift back now i can i can watch a little more tv now i can go to some more games now i can do some more things now because see now i got a little more balance in this financial side but i had to get that straight at first you shouldn't even be enjoying yourself if you're on vacation broke Think about what I'm saying. I know people getting married broke. You are doomed from day one. I'm just being honest with you. A friend of mine left me a message. Brian, I know you're busy. I know you're out traveling. I know you're doing your thing. But when you get back, I want to sit down and talk to you about helping with our wedding. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You know I'm busy, you know I'm traveling, you know I'm doing things, but you need me to help y'all pay, that's what she's saying, for the wedding. So you're joking and laughing, but it's funny how you know where to come, you know which friend of yours got some surplus. Does that make sense? But y'all about to get married. Newsflash, if the wedding is stretching you out financially, 
don't do it. Yes. Yes. And look, I'm not judging anybody that had a big wedding. I want you to understand what I'm saying. You learn from your environment. See, people put more focus on the wedding than they do the marriage. Yes. You're supposed to focus on that, but y'all ain't sat down at all and talked about finances. Hey, baby, where do we want to be in 10 years? How much money do we want in the savings account in 15 years? But you sat down with a wedding planner and planned out everything down to the rose petal. We're going to have a giant to come on, sprinkle flowers, and, you know, the rain, all that. You focused on all of that. Got this little suit together, got the pastor together, got the church together, your invitations were tight. Y'all didn't put nothing into the marriage. Y'all put all y'all's money into the wedding. It amazes me. But those are the habits. See, our habits crystallize into permanency. So you had this big wedding, and let's face it, a lot of it was for show. So you'd be the top, you know, first thing people ask for, let me see your what? Ring. Girl, let me, y'all just. Look, he making payments on it. I'm not, look, look, and I, I look, I take my friends all the way sometimes. Fellas, don't misunderstand. I'm not laughing at you. I'm, ladies, I'm not saying it's funny. I'm saying if we have to pay on it, you get what you can afford at that time. Because that's the case. Look, the bank making money off you. All the jewelers making money off you. Now when your paycheck comes, you got to pay on the ring. And you financed it. Don't you have enough stuff that you financed? You know how we can't do that? Because our environment and our habits say, if I get you the one that I can really afford, then we don't look at, like now people may laugh at you. So what do I have to do? Society says I got to make it fat, fat, right? Got to make it bigger than it really is. So now I got to go out and put more money than I have into something for other people. So we all in this big pool of flossing for other people. So now you can go... <laughs> And then you on the side, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a similar a, a, a representation of you. And it's not. You get what you can afford. I'm just giving y'all an example because that's habits. And we pass that down. And then I know people that still pay off on the ring. They're not even together. <laughs> they didn't last. The, the wedding didn't last longer than the finance terms. See, that's, to me, I just had to start thinking different. And I'm not trying to, look, if I'm painting a picture and you think I'm talking to you, just remember, nobody in this room knows your situation. Only you feel that way. It feels funny. But understand, I'm just using that as an example. Does that make sense? Yes. Nobody in the room, no, don't start sweating or you tell telling me <laughs> Your environment is the sum total of sources through which you are influenced by, with the aid of the five senses. See, your environment is everything. Everything you see, touch, hear, smell, and feel crystallizes into thoughts. As a human being, you are the only person or the only species that can think first and then make it happen. An animal can't do that. A dog can't think of something and then go put it together. Do you know the mere fact that you stand on two legs, you are the only species that lives, or the only mammal, that lives primarily on two feet. When a person is sick and they get out of bed, one of the first things we do is we take pride in the fact that they are what again? Walking. Walking. We take pride in that. Your posture, your environment, the way you feel is everything. Some of you guys walk head down like you don't have anywhere to go. Some of you guys, your shoulders are dropped. 
you will no longer or you will never attract the ways and means to you because your energy is off. Where does your energy come from? Your environment. Your environment and your habits. Let's break it down. Hit it twice. The best way to rid yourself of old habits is to form new ones that counteract and replace the undesirable ones. See, it's almost like smoking. All right? If, you're, if smokers have to do something different because that's a bad what? A bad habit. But you're not going to just stop. you got to replace that with something. So if you have a bad habit of watching too much TV, I'm not saying cut it off. I'm saying shave it down and replace that time with maybe reading. The only way to get new habits is to form, I mean, the only way to get rid of old habits, you got to form what? New ones. New ones. If you know you always run late, make a conscious decision. But what do we do? A lot of us drive with the clock in our car wrong on purpose. <laughs> and I always run late, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to trick myself. I'm going to set this bad boy 15 minutes ahead. And you still late. Because you know what you do when you get in the car? Well, that's 15 minutes late. Are you afraid that you gotta you gotta you gotta trick yourself to you gotta break habits? There's no tricky, there's no trickery or psychology when it comes to habits. Because the universe don't lie. Does that make sense? We do it all the time. These are just bad habits. I remember in my college years, I used to take my clothes off, and let's just say socks, and drop them right by the hamper. <laughs> Or you take your clothes off and you don't go ahead and put them where they're going. You, you do it tomorrow. Well, that adds up. Now you don't want to clean up the house. These are just bad habits. But you know what? It, it takes somebody else. But you know what? When somebody checks you on that, you get an attitude. If the wife or husband say, hey, why don't you just put the socks? Look, check this out. Why don't you just put the socks in the hamper? How long have I been doing this? <laughs> That's the problem. Mm -hmm. She's trying to show you, like, it takes an outside person to come in your life and go, do you realize that you text and drive a lot? Like, do you realize you drop the side? Do you realize that you, do you, and then you get an attitude because that person is changing the very essence of what you are. Habits. Another way to form new ones. Keep should be your attention firmly concentrated on the new path you're building and keep away from the old paths or you will be inclined to go towards them. See, it's two battles happening at all times. Always. There's where you are, that's called A, and there's where you want to be, that's called B. You got two choices, people. You pull B where you want to be into where you are and make the future your present. Or let me tell you the easy solution. You just get rid of B altogether and just stay where you were. Awesome. See, there's a natural tension between A and B. Where you are and where you want to work. B. R and B. A and B. Two things. You got two choices. And it's no more difficult than this. Pull B into you, which takes some what? Work. Or just eliminate B. And say, you know what? 
I'm just going to settle for this pension and the way we've been living, baby, we always going to be broke. This is how it is. This is how it's been. And we might as well get used to this. That's what you're doing. You're making that decision every day. You guys have decided by sticking around that you're going to try to pull B into A. 99.9% of Chicago is going to go ahead and stay where they are. And it ain't your job to go out here and try to save everybody. You're just trying to find the group that wants to pull B into A. Real simple. Travel your newlywed pass as often as possible. Make opportunities for doing so without luck or chance. You guys have to understand that. See, when you plug into our system, you got to stay plugged in as much as you what? Can. See, you're on a new path now. So if you don't stay plugged into the new system, then it becomes a lot easier for you to just cut B and stay with A. The only way to pull B closer is to stay plugged into the Mentor the Millions. I gotta have a, when is the next academy, Brian? Uh, three months is too far. See, you gotta start inundating yourself with the business. Because this becomes your new environment. Then those clowns that are not in this environment, they start looking funny to you. See, it flips. So where you was once the laughing stop, now I laugh. I go, they watching the game. <laughs> They watching the bears get rich. <laughs> well, y'all are crazy. See, it's funny to me now. But that comes with success because I have new habits. Brian, you mean to tell me you don't do anything? Of course. Of course I do. I love the other day I flew up to see Jay-Z. But I treated myself to see Jay-Z. Does that make sense? Yes. See, Jay-Z and Eminem had two concerts. One before the Nashville Convention in Detroit and one after the Nashville Convention in New York. I decided that I was going to fly to see Jay-Z after I worked my butt off. You reward yourself yes. after a job well done. Yes. yes. So I flew up to New York for a day by myself, went to the concert, <laughs> and got back home and went to work. It's not wrong with rewarding yourself. But it feels good to do it. See, if I go see Jay-Z before Nashville, I feel guilty. You got two speeches you got to write. People counting on you for your training. What you doing at the concert? I can't even enjoy the concert. Now I'm at the concert like, man, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have done this. And see, that's what some of y'all do. You're having too much fun. And you can't even enjoy yourself because you know you should be doing something productive right now. Reward yourself after having done something. A lot of you guys flip it. It's called a reward system. A lot of you guys reward yourself first and say, you know what, after I see this movie, I'm, I'm going to be pumped up to go do something. You lie, and I know you lie. See, what you got to do, you got to say, you know what, after I do something, I'm going to go, I'm going to take myself to the what? To the movies. It's called a reward system. Write this down. If I am good, I get poor results. If you are good, you get poor results. If you are excellent, you get good results. To get great results, you got to be outstanding. You got to be outstanding. Now, I don't mean outstanding from a standpoint of your skills. Brian, how do you write these trainings? Brian, how do you? Brian got 13 years experience. Brian was trained by people that make more in a minute than some people make in a month. Brian has no fears. Brian ain't afraid of a lot of stuff. 
I'm not asking you to be me. I'm asking you to be the best you you can be. You'll be a better you than you will a carbon copy of anybody else. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is you don't have to be outstanding at speaking and outstanding at training and outstanding at all these things. But you have to have an outstanding work ethic. Yes. See, that's what people don't want to face. You got to work your tail off to get rich. You're not just going to make $10 million easy, people. It don't happen like that. And if it comes easy, it's going to be taken away easy. Because the universe don't want to hear your excuses. You're not just going to make a million dollars easy, people. Okay? When you, here go your friends. When you going to start making $10,000 a month? When have you ever made $10,000 a month? <laughs> ever. See what I'm saying? People always, look, understand this, guys. People are waiting for you to fail. Yes. They're waiting on you to fail. They can't wait until you call them and say, you know what, I stopped doing it. So they can say to themselves, they were what? Right. So don't get mad, get successful. Resist the temptation to, tra to travel over easier paths that, paths that you used in the past. Every time you resist temptation, the stronger you become and the easier it will be to resist temptation the next time. That's real important. Very important. But every time you yield to temptation, the easier it becomes to yield to that temptation, what? Again. Which makes it more difficult to resist the next time. See, every time you give in, it's just like working out. If I work out and I haven't worked out in 10 years, my legs and arms are going to be extremely wet. You do not feel like going back the next day. But believe it or not, you have to. You have to. Because if you go ahead and get that soreness out the way and make this easy, right. now the repetition is set in. But the minute you stop working out and stop being sore, it's going to be much harder for you to go back to the gym the next time because you remember what that soreness what right. feels like. You got to go ahead and break through that soreness for those first two weeks. It's hard, too. But, man, after those two weeks, now you're fine. Now you look in the mirror, like, this, this going to the gym thing working. <laughs> now you're starting to see what? Results. When you see results, your desire to go back, what? Grows. Pain lets you know that you are still alive. One year, I had, a, I had one week, I had a very, very difficult week. My best friend was murdered when I was um, 22. And very, 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 very bad situation, what they did to him. And I wasn't dealing with it. I thought I was, but I wasn't. I hadn't been eating. I um, hadn't been really opening up, talking to a lot of people, because I did a lot of stuff myself. So when I got home, I fainted. I, I passed out. I'll never forget this. Hit the ground. I said, um, cut the lights on. I said, cut the lights on. Cut the lights on. I was talking to my girlfriend. Right? I said, cut the lights on. She said, the lights are on. That scared me to death. Now my mom like, what you mean the lights are on? She said, Brian, the lights are on. I knew then the importance or the seriousness of taking care of yourself, not stressing, not worrying, not letting others control you or, or drive your life. Getting your emotion, not harboring emotions, negative feeling, negative energy. That scared me to death. But sometimes 
it takes you to go through struggle, situations, and circumstances for you to appreciate the light. Does that make sense? When she told me the light was on, I just about passed out again. I said, stop, that's something really wrong. And it took me a minute. I, I passed out. I, I, to this day, I don't know. I think it took, I took on too much. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But struggle is good because since then, I never, I get I, I stuff off my chest. Don't nothing fester with me. Now, I don't do it rudely, but when I got something to get out of I said, look, we got to talk. We, we, I just been festering. I just, <laughs> I got to say this to you. You know what I'm saying? But I had to go through something for that to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just like a butterfly. A lot of you guys don't understand that. When you put a butterfly in a cocoon and it's going through metamorphosis, as a child, we've all done this, we cut it open. Because we think that the, uh, the, the, the uh, caterpillar is stuck. Right. He's not. When you cut the pot open, you kill him. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. it was the struggle of getting out the pot that made his wings. So that made him strong. So the struggle of him breaking out of the pot, but as a human, you, oh, he's struggling. And you cut it. You didn't understand. God made it that way. So that when he got out, his wings were strong. You weaken. If you cut the pot open, he dies because he can't fly. So struggle is good. Always remember that. Everything you want looks good in the distance. The mountains are beautiful from afar, aren't they? Yeah. Trees and the forest is beautiful from a distance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The ocean, nothing is prettier from a distance. Go up in there. Go up in those same mountains. Go in the ocean. Go deep. <laughs> go up in those. Go up in those pretty trees from a distance. Lions, tigers, bears. There's some stuff in the ocean you don't want to see, but it's beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. Everything looks beautiful from a distant distance. God created it that way. Because if the grass weren't greener on the other side, you wouldn't strive for nothing. So if you had everything you really wanted, believe it or not, you don't want everything that you think you want. Mm -hmm. Because they say when you put an X on a human heart, you're dead. You're you're put here to strive. Does that make sense? Yes. Be sure you have mapped out the right path as your chief aim. Then go ahead without fear, allowing yourself to doubt. Go ahead without fear and without allowing yourself to doubt. Make sure you have mapped out your path as your chief what? Aim. Everything else will have to put a, a take a back seat temporarily while I focus on that. And that may take certain conversations with certain people. You know what's funny? The people that you have to have that talk with, isn't it funny how they're the beneficiaries when it work out? <laughs> See, everybody got to pay the price. Because when the money start rolling in, you benefit from what we had to do. But everybody loves the benefits, but they don't love the price you got to pay. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in Tahiti. I was in um, um, French, uh, French Polynesia on an island called Moea, M- Morea. They call it Morea in Tahiti. Small island. Me and a good friend of mine, his wife was giving him a hard time about the business. He stayed focused, he stayed focused, he stayed focused. We took a trip to Tahiti. His wife loving it. Ooh, this is just beautiful. <laughs> we taking pictures, we posing, we cheesing, she in the ocean, she, got, she swam with the dolphins, she swam with the stingrays. When I was in the picture with her, 
I said, you know, you dead wrong. <laughs> she said, what? I said, you've been giving him the hardest time. <laughs> I said, you know good and well he deserved better. I was just, because we friends. I could talk to her like that. Right. She said, Brian, you know what? You're right. I wouldn't even be in Tahiti if it wasn't for the work that he put in. Because you could, you know, I mean, you can say all you want, but she wasn't willing to pay the price, but she loved the, re the rewards. <laughs> and I called her out on the trip. I said, now, let's, when we get back home, let the man run so you can have these trips as much as you want. But everybody got to pay the price because everybody enjoys the benefits. Okay? That's why when I, when I told people I missed my son's first day of school, I wasn't really tripping because to me, every day is the first day of school. You put value on that. I was up there Friday. Sat in there, we made, the kids made little, uh, what they call mud pies, which really pudding. <laughs> and I sat in there, you know, me and his mom. Only two parents. Every Friday, they make a dessert. The teacher requests that as many parents as possible come in. Because it's harder than six-year-olds. Flour, sugar, pudding, <laughs> mixing bowls. Oh, it was a mess. So she needs help. Me and her, only two parents. See, he paid the price, but he reaps a lot of rewards from the little price he had to pay. So the benefits come to him, but it don't feel like that when you're doing it. So I hope you guys understand. My training today was primarily about your environment and forming new what? Habits. But it takes an outside person sometimes to come in there and say, you know what? We got to do something different. We got to create some new habits. It's not wrong with it leaving the block and leaving some of the circle that you've been hanging with. Because I'll be honest with you, if a person's not helping you excel spiritually, emotionally, physically, or financially, I really don't know what they're in your life for anyway. <laughs> If they're not bringing you anything but grief. Mm -hmm. At the end of every year, around this time right here, my friends will tell you just as sure as I'm standing here, I do a quick inventory check. I do what I call Brian Bean's balance sheet. I got people who are assets in my life, and I got people who are liabilities. Mm -hmm. Who was an asset, and who, you know what, that I, would I rather not take with me mm -hmm. on, the next, on the next year? Bottom line. I make cuts. <laughs> My friends call it the purge. <laughs> and you know what they start to do? They, say, they start asking me, Brian, you going through a purge? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, don't worry, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> but I purge people. I see, I do stuff consciously because I'm in control of my own life and I'm in control of my own destiny. You can't tell me I ain't doing God's work. <laughs> right. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, that's my time. I appreciate it. Woo!